Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Today's Conscious Awesome Show is super very special, not just because it's the Conscious Awesome Show, but because we have a guest. Today's guest is a dear friend and colleague, Plandemic Series Director Mickey Willis. So you definitely want to stay tuned and stick around for the whole show. As well, be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel so you can stay abreast of every Word Up offering and follow Justin and myself over at our Locals page, ConsciousAwesome.Locals.com. Stock up on your favorite chocolate at YesCacao.com and track Danny's everything by way of her Locals community, DannyCats.Locals.com, where she gets to share all her high-vibe thinky fodder without freaking out about the thought police and the censorship machine. Now, enjoy our interview with Mickey Willis. Yes, 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 and welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show. Ladies and gentlemen, today's special, not just because every day is special, there's just extra juju today. I think you're going to be able to feel it through this episode, uh, through this episode, which is episode 28 for the Conscious Awesome Show, with your host, your co-host Justin Polgar. That's me and Danny Katz. That's me. That's her. And uh, today we have a very special guest. Very also, special. our first guest on the Conscious Awesome Show. Uh, we've been holding it, holding it together here. Danny and I are kind of guesting each other and hosting each other and playing with those roles and uh we thought let's just kick it off with the best of the best let's just go home run on this one so today we have the uh esteemed pleasure of uh inviting and having mickey willis as our guest on the conscious awesome show uh for those of you who uh who know mickey he kind of doesn't need an introduction but because i like to do introductions I like to do that. Um, Mickey Willis is the founder of Elevate Films, also a father of two of uh, two young men, young aspiring men, boys on their way to being men, and um, as well as the director of the Plandemic series, both Plandemic and Plan- Plandemic uh, Indoctrination. And um, yeah, we're we're gonna have a, a fun time today, exploring not only concepts that were. Uh, and no doubt, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch in on the pandemic series. Uh, and we're just going to talk about what it's like to be conscious and awesome uh, in this year now. So welcome, Mickey. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Yeah, it is nice. It's great. Uh, Danny, do you have anything you want to add to that? 
Um, well, I mean, full disclosure, Mickey and I have been friends for a long time. And uh, I helped Mickey on Plandemic 2. So just full transparency. This is sort of a family affair. Family affairs. We're into it. And, and Danny's being incredibly humble because she did more than help. She was <laughs> key researcher and my co-writer. And they couldn't have done it without you, Danny. Thanks, Mickey. Yes. Fun to work with I was loving getting the, the little tidbits like the behind the scenes. Like if there was a behind the scenes, I feel like I kind of know the story a little bit, what was happening, <laughs> what was getting put in and taken out. It was very exciting. Um, and I was just being a cheerleader. When people ask me what kind of leader I aspire to be, it's a cheerleader. I'm just here uh -huh. really just <laughs> nice. rah, rah, um, and make sure that everyone's feeling uh, permission slips to be their awesome selves. Um, yeah, wow. So there's, there's a lot of places that we can jump in. Um, Here's my thought. Yeah, DK. One of the pieces that, Mickey, that brought you and I back together, because we've been circling around each other's spheres for 20 years, was this sort of pushback we were getting in our community for our perspectives. And so I'm just curious, like, on a basic psycho-emotional level, how that has been for you um, to receive this pushback from Plandemic and from the strong stance you're taking with all the knowledge that you have? Well, it's, it's been both uh, surprising and unexpected at the same time. Um, understanding the state of our world and the damage that media has done to literally indoctrinate all of the minds to follow a narrative that is anything but real. It didn't surprise me that people were choosing to side with the fear mongers because that's how it works. You know, it's when, when people are so latched into the, their own survival and, and they have, you know, these entities are the ones that are telling them how scary it is, but also we're the ones with the solution. So you have to listen to us if you want to be saved. It's understandable why, why that, you know, the critical thinking would kind of go out the window and, and people would lose sight of, even people that have known me for 25 years that would suddenly side with entities that they don't trust, which is big pharma and, and big media, uh, over their friend. Um, that was shocking to me to see people that were blogging about me that I've, they've known me for years saying things like I've known him for years and I've trusted him. And he's been one of the most integral people I've, I've ever known, but something's happened, you know, instead of considering or maybe he's on to something. Maybe, maybe we should at least have a dialogue first and find out what's going on and dig into it and do our own research before we just continue to take the word of mainstream media and big pharma to very, very corrupt, two of the most corrupt industries on the planet. Um, so that part was, you know, it was also very shocking because, you know, I can speak about this because of the title of a show. Um, you know, I, I, thought I was part of a conscious community. And that, that was kind of the most shocking because for me, when we talk about, you know, bettering ourselves and coming into a place of awareness and consciousness, it also brings you to a place, it should bring you, if you're doing the real work, into a place of humility and openness. And, and, and it really requires us to walk the talk. You know, if we're going to say things on, and you're just a part of me, and, and all, you know, all these catchphrases that we use in the, in the conscious communities, uh, but it just goes out the window the moment the fear kicks in and, and 
we get they just got triggered and and I lived in a little valley I had to move because I lived in a little conscious valley of meditators and yoga doers and 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 they were so, honestly some of the, some of the most hateful not everybody some were incredibly supportive and loving but but a lot of them were just um, were just vile uh, you know threatening and and not willing to even I, I reached out to a couple of people on our local forum I said I'll buy you lunch. Would you like to sit down and have lunch? I'm, I, I will show you what I have and what I've discovered. And I think it, I think it will matter to you. I think you'll understand that, that, that be, the reason we're being smeared so heavily is because we're onto something and no one was willing to even have lunch and talk about it. They just wanted to stay in their, in their, in their fearful mindset. Um, and I think that speaks to a larger psychological problem that that's occurred that we've become so comfortable in our discomfort that, that, that it's, 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 it's more, uh, frightening to leave that discomfort, even th even though we know that within that 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 uh, within that zone, uh, things aren't right. Yeah, there's a courage that that is being uh, that's knocking on the door. Of, I think of all of us because there's a responsibility in in freedom, in sovereignty, and in claiming your own. Uh, critical thinking and common sense. I'm I I'm liking to go back recently and try and pinpoint when when the that shift that tribal shift happened when it was we're in this together because I, I mean I have uh, a lot of friends that you know when 9/11 happened um, it was just obvious you know especially living here in Santa Cruz I was in Santa Cruz back then as well uh, it was just obvious that there was a in the us and them that the uh, the larger entities that were, you know the powers that were as we like to say and and as actually as Frank from the, quite frankly likes to say that's where we grab that one the powers that were great <laughs> great interview by the way that was one of my favorite interviews that I've that seen that was in a really long time. good oh yeah. awesome thank yes. you I've really appreciated the, the, his line of questions I think it was excellent yeah deep deep it was great yeah. it was perfect uh, I. I'm just, I'm kind of curious when you think or when that shift started to happen, uh, when you felt that the circles of friends and within the conscious communities started to have that divide or started, to, when did the fear become so penetrating that it started to split and divide? You know, the divide and conquer is super obvious right now. Um, well, I wonder for you. I mean, the, the, yeah, the point was, was, was crystal clear, you know, because when the first pandemic came out, there was a massive amount of support from everyone that knew me. It, they were just sharing it left and right. It was all over the place. And, and people could feel it. They were resonating. They were, they were crying. They were saying, we need to look at this. This is so hugely important. And it's, it's, it's critical timing right now. And, and it was just 100%. And then the moment the media caught wind that this piece of media was going so viral, that they... Um, they cr created this, you know, full scale character assassination on both myself and Dr. Michaelvitz. Uh, and they did such a good job at it by, by having it appear to be such a scientifically based debunk of everything th that she said and who she is and who I am that it, it and, and this illusion of truth that occurs when people see all these publications that they've always trusted saying the same thing, they assume, oh, wow, these people have more resources, more time, more ability to, to suss this out. Maybe I was wrong. 
and maybe my friend got duped by this crazy woman. I had a lot of messages like that just saying, did you vet her? Man, you're, you're, she's, she, this woman's going to destroy your career. She's clearly a criminal. She's clearly a... And I said, no, I've known her for I've, two years. Do you think I, I'm a veteran filmmaker, media producer? Do you think I'm going to put something out like that during a moment as critical as this if I didn't fully vet it? I, I know what I'm doing here. And I can't vouch for every single detail of her personal story, you know, because we all have our own interpretation of what happened in the past. But I can tell you that the critical details are spot on and they matter and we need to listen. And so I, there was a moment there that then I saw suddenly all my friends started to get shamed by other people. They, they had the video up and then I started seeing other people going, don't you know, this has been debunked and, and we all got excited on it, but we were duped and, 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 and this is irresponsible and now, now blood is on your hands. You're going to hurt people just like he's doing, just like she's doing. And so then there was this, this uh, onslaught of apologies, people going, I'm so sorry. Yesterday I posted something and I took it down because I, I really learned a valuable lesson. I, I didn't do my due diligence, you know, just cowering to this propaganda mentality and that's when the split happened right there that's when the, the shame was so heavy and people are so uh there's they're so dependent upon tribal acceptance that the feeling of not being in agreement with the collective is, is so and i get it it's 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 so hard for people to to think okay i have 500 friends on facebook do i want to lose 400 of them <laughs> these are my people my friends you know and and it's much easier to lose this one guy than all 400 of my friends or whatever it might be and so i understand i understand that uh, but it's also a shame and it's also something that we need to rise above because we will never make change as a collective as long as we allow the the, the cycle manipulation uh, through the media into our minds that, that then cause us to take actions against each other. It's, that's how we're divided and that's how we're weakened. And, and so we need to, we need to course correct that rapidly. And there's a prioritization of truth that, uh, it seems to be being called for. Yeah. Pr truth over preference. Um, in, in witnessing the, the pandemic phenomenon and knowing, you know, all that, we all of us know about the big plan for the technocratic takeover and all you know the nefarious horrors that it is i think for me the the hardest thing has been seeing what has happened in our community and just on this basic human level seeing oh these people who know us like really know us and love us and they can turn what does this mean for all of humanity and i'm wondering has it affected like your larger perspective on, on humanity? Yeah, great question. Uh, it, it has, you know, it, it's, it's shown me what I already knew to be true, but just that it's more severe than I thought it was, that the mind control is more severe than I thought it was. When you can um, convince hundreds of thousands of, uh, of organic loving, um, health conscious people that you shouldn't go outside and breathe fresh air and shouldn't have sunlight on your body and reducing your oxygen by wearing a mask everywhere you go, even if you're not sick, is somehow the moral, you know, the right choice um, to put your, to, to put mask on your three-year-old, two-year-old children. You know, the, these things, all that, all that, knowledge that everyone has learned from being 
meditating in nature and understanding the power of our natural immune systems and the fact that our planet provides everything that we need and, and that we've been severed from our natural ability to evolve and, and heal uh, by Western medicine largely and a lot of other uh, industries that have gotten involved that don't want us to have our sovereign uh, system empowered such that we don't need their medicine. And that would be the truth if we, if we just rejected it. We, would, we, we just wouldn't need it um, uh, only under very s severe traumatic situations would we actually, would we actually need that. And I think that's, that is the incredible gift and value and potential of Western medicine, but we need to start relating it to it that way. It was never meant that every time we feel sad, we pop a pill. Every time we have a headache, you know, we pop a pill. This is this wasn't you know we weren't meant to evolve this way and it's doing incredible damage to our systems, which is ultimately the end goal as far as I've been able to learn that the the end goal is complete dependency so financial dependency health dependency um, thought dependency everything right transportation dependency everything is about us being so dependent that on a system that we then can be controlled because if your if your money is digital and and it's tied to some kind of social system, and you haven't been a good citizen, well then then they can cut your money off, your food, your ability to communicate with each other, tell you what to wear, and these things are happening right for right before us right now, and the conspiracy theorists, you know, God bless them, have been warning us about this for years, and I, I'm I'm one of the ignorant ones that didn't listen. I had people come to me because of my position in media years ago. And they warned me and I laughed them off because A, I was programmed to, to be incredibly allergic to anything that sounded like a conspiracy theory. I didn't understand at the time how our language has been weaponized, how morality has been weaponized. And quite frankly, I wanted to live in my bubble of, of delusion. I wanted to just believe everything was fine. And I didn't want to believe that there are pedophile rings and, and people harming children and all the horrific stuff that, that is happening at the hands of our human organism. I didn't want to believe that. I wanted to live in my bubble, enjoy my wife and my incredible life, and just trust that everything would be fine. And, and now I've just reached a point, particularly after I've become a father in the past 10 years, um, that I can't sit by and watch it happen anymore. Yeah, there's a biological imperative that happens there. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I think becoming a father for me really did, did turn the volume up for me. Uh, and even before, like, there, there's something about hearing, because uh, I remember reading some David Icke, for example, uh, maybe in like 2001, and thinking like, wow, this guy is far out. Yeah. Not like this guy's dangerous, or this guy is a bad person, but more like, what an interesting, you know, just keeping it without the judgment piece of it. What an interesting lot you know line of questioning that this guy must have gone on to find what he's found is it true for everyone i don't know like you know the internet was a, a different place back then uh for researching these things it, it's it's fascinating to me because my i know that it has informed the way that i discern and the way that yeah, i yeah. depict you know w without having to choose a side right off the bat or this is right or wrong because i understand that we live in a, a multiverse where uh, right and wrong are, are not so black and white. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. And uh, I, I think one of the things that we, we like to offer our, our audience and also Danny and I just love to dialogue about is what is that mechanism of discernment you know, for people 
getting the the heavy blowback from their friends. I'm definitely I'm definitely getting into a lot of conversations where people want to save me. Like <laughs> I need to be saved apparently. And I'm like, you know, I I don't really feel like I I'm not asking for that. I'm not soliciting that. I'm looking at my life in such deep gratitude for so many so many blessings and I don't think I want to be saved from whatever you you're thinking. There's yeah. some there's some yeah. dynamic in that. I'm curious, um, and Danny, I want I want you to chime in on this as well. What is that? Uh, Be- before you, before you ask this, can I can I make a comment about David Icke real quick before sure. we get too far from your your mention of that and hold that hold that question for a second? Because um, I, I think this is very important. I think some of your listeners will will want to hear this. Um, so I I too used to think uh, David Icke was a crazy man, like so many people thought, and and I and I would tune him out and. And I think that it's because he's made some he's made some real critical errors in his in his public communications, and that we can all learn from. Because now I have a great deal a great deal of respect for the man. Um, and there are some people who see things long before the rest of us see things. And I think those messengers have a responsibility. Uh, you also mentioned the word discernment. It's a very critical word for us to realize that there are. I know as a storyteller, there was so much more I could have put, uh, you know, as you mentioned before we started this show, you saw a lot of the things that were coming and being considered and being cut out. There were a lot of directions I could have gone into speaking about the truth about Bill Gates Sr. and, and eugenics and a lot of things that is that are very real. But there's always, we have to remember as, as truth tellers, as everyone's starting to step up to become their own version of, of a truth teller, that there's a real discernment that's this necessary. Um, we have to remember that every word we speak is a bridge, because if we want to speak to just our audience, and I think that's one of David's critical. Um, for me, it's an error. For him, maybe it was absolutely intentionally what he wanted to create because he had his own audience that he felt was ready to hear certain words. But unfortunately, the mainstream, the 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 uh, you know the the masses of people that I think we need to build a bridge to. Um, we have to be very delicate in our language such that we don't, that it doesn't take much to trigger people with a word these days and they're gone. One word, wrong word, chosen, and they're, they've tuned out and they're, they're, they're gone. And that's how we've all been wired to be so sensitive that way, to not give each other the pass to, to be fallible w- with our speech. So I do want to say that um, as all of us as a collective step up and, and, and start to share our truths with the world, that we have to remember that even if our little collective bubble is into talking about lizard people or whatever, it may not be, uh, the rest of the masses may not be ready to hear that yet. So there's, there's some discernment that we have to exercise in our ability to reach more people, if that's our goal. I assume that's almost everyone's goal. Um, for Why else would we speak out if we don't want to reach the largest audience? And so um, I, I just wanted to say that because I, I too had a, a, a perception of him that was derived from some of the things he had said before I was ready to hear them. Mm-hmm. And, and actually now understand even some of the most bizarre stuff. I understand the lizard people comment. You know, I, I've, I've had ayahuasca ceremonies where I've had encounters in other dimensions and you understand that there's so much more to this, so many more dimensions to this world um, that other people have the ability to tap into um, uh, in advance before before a lot of us reach that point. But we have to be careful of how we share what we see in the other worlds when we come back. And so I just wanted to mention that. Most, most definitely. And actually, before we get into the discernment question, 
my my father-in-law who is who is an amazing mystic one of the most phenomenal humans and wise and uh learned and healing and musician he just had the whole stack uh, and he passed last year and uh one of the things that his daughter my wife zoe would tell him all the time is dad you can't go around blowing people's minds sometimes you just need to stretch their consciousness a little bit because because nice. people thought and there were definitely people who thought he was a crazy man you know he was like the shaman yeah. of the village in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. and did profound work for people who were ready to take the leap yeah mickey I think, I think this is one of your superhero skills and as someone who's I've been on the Ike train for 20 years. I'm one of those old school conspiracy theorists. And back then, you know, you look at, you know, even like in Alex Jones, and I've talked about this before on other podcasts, it's like knowing all that we knew, there was just like a, a rage and a passion and like we want to fix it. And we weren't really as discerning or strategic. And I think you're part of this newer wave. You know, there's you, there's Frank, there's amazing Polly, there's Sparrow, people who have the capacity and have done enough work to be able to hold this information and not freak out and just want to spew it all over everyone. And I think it's really um, allowing our culture to evolve in the ways that it needs to evolve at a rapid pace because you and these other truth tellers are able to disseminate the media in ways that are digestible. And I really appreciate that about you know working with you and learning that from you. And I think, yeah, like David, he's speaking on a lot of different dimensional levels that not everyone can grasp. And unfortunately, all these years later, because he has not mentioned the reptilians in over a decade at least, but it's still so tied right. to him. So I really appreciate, I, th I think it just speaks to your media savvy, as well as, you know, your own work on yourself that you're able to deliver this really tough, you know, hard to swallow information in ways that people can digest and not, you know, yeah. freak out about. Well said, and, and, and thank you for that, Danny. That it, you're, you're, you're spot on because I, I, I do see myself drawing from some of my years uh, in Hollywood doing commercial work and remembering all the boardrooms that I sat in, you know, working with ad agents, executives, and learning, you know, back in the day, the heyday of infomercials and all of that there was a very specific language and these marketeers knew they're like, Oh, you can't say that for the Midwest. Oh, that's great for the East coast, but you can't use that word in the Midwest. So we're going to have to find, there was, uh, it's like just learning that like, wow, it's, you know, demographics. You have to know how to speak into the different demographics because you can say things in certain territories that you can't say in others. And, and then you chop that down to the micros and you understand all the little bubbles, all the things we can say in the yoga world you know, that, you know, that all these funny little catchphrases that when we say them to just everyday people out in the world, they just go, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a different language. And I, I learned this from an uh, incredible person that we brought in when we were building Elevate Film Festival. And we were doing, you know, they call those mind dumps, right? Where everybody goes, says, okay, tell me what the mission of this whole thing is about. And our whole team is sitting around and we're going love and unity and that. And we're throwing these things out and he's writing on the, on the whiteboard. And at one point he just froze and everyone kept shouting things out and he just froze. And he turned around and he said, you all live in a bubble and you have no idea. <laughs> and he goes, I travel the world and no one talks like this. If you guys want to meet your top goal here, which is to, is to 
um, not preach to the choir, you, you have to learn a new language because none of this is going to reach beyond the choir. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that lesson. It was, it was an incredible, valuable lesson for me as a storyteller. Yeah, I get that. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Mm, what a great token. That's um, to, to be able to step outside of our, you know, to wear someone else's shoes in their, own, in their language, to be able yeah. to just enter into a totally different context. That's, that's part of being a social shaman, which is very important in being a, a storyteller. Yeah, indeed. Um, thank you for, uh, for modeling that, Mickey. And uh, as well, there's, there's a lot of opportunities within one-on-one um, you know, -on -one conversations that we have with people who do have shared, who do have shared uh, language. And there, even in that, there's a nuanced way of guiding someone, um, guiding someone in. Even uh, one of my favorite ways of making an analogy of, of, uh, of the mind-blowing versus mind-expanding subtlety, that discernment, is uh, when you talk about something like Burning Man. And for people who have been to Black Rock City, and for them to say, you know, before I went there, there was just no way I could have understood that that world. There's just no, there's no way. I remember the first time I heard about Burning Man, it was like, oh, people go in the desert and just like play music and dance around and there's like costumes. And I was like, that, sure, that sounds interesting. I, I didn't really feel like that excited to go. But uh, after I went, I, you know, I couldn't stop talking about it. And I had to really refine the way I was talking about it just so I wasn't the crazy person. Yeah, for all you know, so I had to to learn how to measure people's uh, the, how how full were their cups already, how yeah. how empty of potential. That's actually the first time I met you, Mickey. Uh, was at was at Black Rock City. I, I don't expect that you remember this, but I I was mm. riding in my bike uh, and had like this full uh, heart coherence, you know, multi dimensional vision of just being so blown away, and. I see this group of people, maybe like a dozen people. It's you and Nadia and like a group of people. And you guys were just decked out in some kind of, I don't know, deity, Greek god. I was like, what are those? Are those people? I, I mean, I and I could just see this glow in this group. This is I like feel every time I see Mickey and Nadia. I'm like, are those people who look like this? Yeah, there was something, there was something so... Um, just like right out of some imaginal space, but I, was, uh -huh. I knew I was seeing it in front of my eyes. And uh, I, I know I have a picture because I was like, I need you guys, everyone stop. We're taking oh, yeah? a group picture. I got to find it. It's in some Find it, please, because we oh. lost all of our photos in the, in the fire a couple fire. years ago. So oh, please, man. yeah, that'd be great to see that. Oh, it's a great, I, I know that it would be a great blast from the past. It was like yeah. in 2004. And I just, it's one of those early Burning Man memories. <laughs> of just being like, I don't even know how would I, I would explain this to someone. You know, like so I, many of us. I remember being at that Burning Man and seeing you, Mickey, and Nadia a few times. I was with Oli back then. Uh -huh. I'm curious before we get too far away, because Justin, you yeah. kind of took us into it a little bit. And I'm curious if you, Mickey, because obviously like you're speaking to the world on this very large scale through the Plandemic series and all the content you put out. But have you found ways in one-on-one -on -one or in speaking with smaller groups where people who are so, think they're so closed off and think they're so right in their indoctrination and inculcation, have you found ways or strategies to slip in truth that get people to open up 
in ways that yeah. they not otherwise? Uh, yeah, another good, good, good question. And, and I'll say that, you know, so a month and a half ago, we moved to Texas. And I'm starting to realize we had an incredible dinner last night um, with a, a, about eight really amazing people um, overlooking downtown Austin. It was just epic, epic in all ways. And, and I realized sitting at this dinner <clears throat> that the people are different here. Even the people who came from California that are here now, there's, there's something different about, the, it's got its own problems, its own political policies and it's stuff that's, that's not perfect. But, but I, you know, in speaking, like, a, in, like I said a moment ago, you know, per demographic, it seems that there's, that there's almost like these consciousness bubbles and everyone exists within this, this collective agreement of the different frequencies depending on their locality. And so in, if you were to ask me that about Los Angeles, I would say it's much more difficult. And I don't know why. I don't know exactly why. Is it because these places are, can you say they're more liberal? And so they've been more indoctrinated and, and more heavily influenced by, you know, the mind control? I, I, I really, I don't know. Um, but what I'm recognizing here is there were a couple of people at the table last night who had different opinions but they listened. And if I said something that made sense, they acknowledged it. I said, good point. Oh, I've never thought of that. That's interesting. Wow. And, and that rarely happens where I used to live. It's just a lot of like, it's almost like it, they get angry when you make a point, a good point. When logic happens, it's almost like, well, just, you know, screw you. You're dangerous. What? No, I, I'm trying to take you out of the danger, you know? And so um, I, I found myself having um, success when talking to people. Um, you have to kind of gauge where they are. You have to listen enough to get where they are. Mm -hmm. And you have to know, like, what is their level of fear? First of all, what is their level of fear? Because if I'm speaking through a filter of fear, it's a very delicate dance because it doesn't take much to trigger them. And, and so you can't just jump in with, you know, radically different ideologies than, than their media has been, you know, pushing at them. And so there's, there's definitely um, a little bit of a give and take of, of really making sure I, I, I listen to them. And then I, I, I like to, you know, because I've been studying climate change for a long time. And there's so much BS in the climate change narrative. When people wake up to that, they're going to be really angry. Because, um, but this is how I approach it when I talk to environmentalists so that they understand, don't confuse me with some far right climate denying, you know, anti-environment. Don't, don't put me in that category. That's not possible for me to be there. I've been an environment, environmentalist for, for many, many years. Um, but I will, I will, when I explain to them that these lies are actually preventing us from solving these issues and loving our planet and fixing any climate issues that may exist. I, I say, but we need to reframe it and really like, I call it pollution, air pollution, noise pollution, water pollution, food pollution, soil pollution, you know, all of these things. And, and the moment we start looking at it as, as pollution, we, the mind immediately goes to all the technologies that exist that can solve it tomorrow. And that's what they don't want. 
So the, the people that are, are getting rich off of the climate movement or, 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 extra, or gaining such great political leverage as a result of the climate doom and gloom, they don't want it solved. That's why most of these things never get solved. That's why massive AIDS foundations for years and years and years when there's cures that exist, but they never find them somehow. Cancer, breast cancer, all these things that, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars get pumped through these organizations and, and NGOs. And they always do a little bit of good, you know, but, but they never quite live up to what they should be doing for ha having as much money as that they've taken from donations and from the taxpayers. And so that's the big, the big game that, that fake philanthropy that's happening out there. Um, so, but I, I find that if I, if I speak to people from a place of understanding that I'm concerned that, that, that the environment is not being taken care of because of these lies, then they can see that, Oh, I'm not, someone who's just saying, oh, I don't believe any of that crap and we don't need to do anything for the environment. No, I deeply care. And I'm really concerned after a couple of decades in the environmental work that um, we have been pushed away from seeing the solutions that we could implement tomorrow and make a massive difference. And that, th those, that's what the lies are causing. And when I say that to environmentalists, they go, tell me more, like what lies and what, and then I can start talking, let's start talking statistics and analytics now. And, and isn't it interesting? Let me show you how these regulations really work. Because a lot of people are upset with Trump because he's rolled back a lot of environmental regulations. And I've gone down the rabbit hole on each one of them. They're fake. They're, they're like a mafia tactic. They put up a gate, stop a pipeline, and the pipeline then has to pay these people. And then they open the gate and the oil flows. Nothing gets done for the environment. And so good on Trump for shutting those down because it's just all it's doing is making these bureaucrats and politicians more wealthy. Um, but until you understand the game and how corrupt all of these systems are, um, we don't understand um, how to move forward to actually do good, you know, in our environment. So when I have conversations from really wanting to make progress so that I'm relating to the person, their passion is helping the environment. And I'm saying, I'm with you fiercely. And that's why I want to talk to you about the lies that are being told because it's stopping us frontline activists from actually achieving and I asked one the other day, I said, out of all the environmentalism that you've done, you've done years of it. Is there anything that you feel you, it was a victory, you won and it was successful, whatever you set out to do. And she's like, mm. there were a lot of little victories that happened along the way that I remember. I said, but the, the thing you set out to achieve, do you remember one going, we won that. I remember a lot of them feeling like we won, but quite honestly, years later, I look back and I'm, and I'm like, well, I think we were placated. We were given a little bit of candy to go away. But honestly, no. I said, there's the problem. We're being distracted by all this, all this stuff, these invisible boogeymen. Go over there and keep fighting that invisible enemy while the real damage is being done behind us. And so that, that's what we're really trying to get to is making some real effing progress on this planet. And we can. We ha I mean, yeah. we have such amazing technologies and, and I also, um, I like that you mentioned that about speaking to it as pollution instead of climate because it, it makes it a lot more real and I think something that people can touch and feel. Uh, and I think ultimately it really comes back to personal responsibility. There's this, in, in the, when I'm sitting and looking at the climate change conversation, it's all outsourcing who's going to do the change. We need this, this centralized change to happen in order for our lives to get clean and to me there's something fundamentally flawed in that 
if we're outsourcing our responsibility, then how can we even really be here and, and really even enjoy the victories when, you know, if, you know, we're going to have to make them happen ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Good so. point. Mickey, you mentioned um, the T word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm curious because we can lot, say we can say Trump on the show. We can say Trump. Um, a lot. I've seen a lot of pushback on on both Plandemic One and Plandemic Two, where they'll bring in Trump. And when I see <laughs> it, I think, Are we talking about the same film? Because I didn't. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I worked I know. on it, and I didn't see him mentioned. And this isn't. Yeah. And I'm I know. like, What do you think that is? Well. Okay, so it's it's our weaponized language, and and I always say to people, I, I say I, I showed two presidents in pandemic, and I threw them both under the bus, Trump and Reagan, mm -hmm. and that that that's not a, a lack of endorsement for either. I I ha actually have a great deal of respect for the good things both of those men have done, um, but the truth of the matter is, is Trump came out and said he was going to mobilize the military to to issue vaccines to everybody. Yes. And he said it, and so I showed it. And the truth is, Ronald Reagan signed the Childhood Protection, the Childhood Injury Act, which which took all liability away from vaccine makers. Now he later said he really hated doing that; he didn't want to do it, but he did it. And and so when people, you know, wrap this into like this is a pro-Trump movie, you know, I'm like, where do you, where do you get that from? Because oh, because we're fighting for freedom. And so freedom has been weaponized. The word freedom, the word, you know, anything patriotic has been weaponized. U the word USA, American flags, all of, the, all of these things, you know, anytime you have pride for your country, it has been conflated with far-rightism. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's just incredibly bizarre that, that people wouldn't see that for what it is and go, you know, and, but it's the same tactic they use. It's why they say, you know, uh, 1.5 million people marched in Germany to end the lockdowns, to fight for their freedoms, to fight for their, you know, and I have footage of that event. And it was a bunch of families and most of them were smiling and having fun, and incredibly peaceful. And the ones that were interviewed were just talking about saving their family business, saving their local shops and, and wanting to have the responsible choice to, to make the choices on their own you know, whether they have to lock down and let their livelihoods go or not. And most of them said they're hanging on. If this goes two weeks longer, we're done. Our family business, five generations is done. And then you see what the, the New York Times says about it. And it was a white supremacy event. You know, and you go, well, that's pure propaganda. So what they do is they plant that because what they don't want is the U.S. to rise up that way. And so when all of those uprisings are, you know, it's weaponized morality, when they can go, these people are selfish, they don't care, they're going to kill your grandmother or your mother. They're, they're Nazis. They're, they don't, you know, when, then when, when people start to get tired of the lockdown or, or the la lack of civil liberties here, we, we go, well, but we don't want to look like a Nazi. We don't want to go on the street and, you know, and be that, be labeled as that. You want to be a racist. Or be a racist, you know, and it's like so. So all of these things get conflated. So the people who I've had people flat out attack me, saying, "You need to go out and denounce Trump right now because people think that you've." Did. And I'm saying, "There's no way in the hell I'm going to do that because I've not I've not endorsed anyone in politics." And so uh, lately, um, my last one was Bernie Sanders, um, and. 
And, but I said, there's no reason to, because if you actually really watch the movie and you step out of your own mind conditioning, you'll see that I, I only mentioned Trump once in the movie and I threw him under the bus, you know, because I, I think what he said in that moment, I actually think it's probably reverse psychology, him going, I'm going to mobilize the military and get vaccines out to everyone because then he knew that people would go, not me. And that's what's ha- that, what was, that's what happened. A lot of people said, it's too early. You cannot make a vaccine that fast. I don't trust Trump. And it's like, yeah, that's what we've been trying to tell you. You can't make a vaccine that fast. So now that Trump said he supports them, you know, half the world is saying they'll never take it now. And so I'm, you know, was that his, his chess move of reverse psychology? I don't know, but it sure did have a, a good impact ultimately. But the truth is he said it, I put it in the film. Um, and there's nothing pro-Trump in there. There's nothing. It's just uh, us calling out what has now been proven. I mean, I'm surprised I haven't received more thank you letters. I've received a few, but you know, week by week, every point that we made in pandemic has been proven true through major studies, peer-reviewed studies, through massive groups of, of, of typically uh, foreign doctors that uh, have the ability to still speak truth in the world, German doctors, doctors from Spain, all over the place, are stepping out to do these tests to say, you know, uh, basically it's validated every point in the movie. Um, and, and yet people don't see that and go, hey, oh my goodness, you were actually right. There, you know, there, there is a, a thing with masks that can, a German study just did a whole mask with kids in school wearing their, their face mask and took a bunch of samples from it and, sh- and showed that the kids were, because of the moisture of circulated breath, they were breathing mold all day. It was developing mold inside their mask. This is why real surgeons change their mask every several times a day, you know, but we're not doing that in the public. So, so, so the, I, one of the main things that people got mad at is when Judy Michaelvitz suggested that the mask can make you more sick. And now it's been proven. It, that's exactly what happens, especially with a populace that doesn't know how to wear them, interact with them, or which kind to wear. And so um, all this, the, the, the main points the media used to say we were dangerous and irresponsible and all of that, those points have, have, been, have been, their points have been debunked. Um, yet there's no, you know, and we've gone toe to toe with major fact checkers on online threads, all of them that were willing to go toe to toe with us and not one single point. They all walked away from the conversations. They tried, they got cocky and they'd say, I think you're missing this. And it was mostly David Martin from Plandemic 2 that was going at him. And this guy is, you don't, this guy's knows his shit. You don't want to mess with David. You don't want to mess with David Martin. And, and so he, you know, he, they would come at us with something and I would read it and I'd go, oh, this doesn't look good. Uh-oh, I, David may have missed this because I'm reading it. I'm like, this does not look good. And then it gets put forth and they're like cocky, like, okay, how about this, Mr. Martin? And he's like, I think you missed the addendum that took place in 1993. Here it is, <laughs> boom. You know, and it's like, and they're just like, oops, we'll take mm-hmm. a look at this. We'll get back to you and they're gone. They leave, you know, and not one point. If there was one point that I would have learned from either pandemics that were like, we missed the mark. Judy said something wrong. And David says something wrong. I said something wrong. I would go out and make a public apology really quick because I think that's very valuable for my credibility. I would love to go out and say I was wrong. I want to show journalists and people how to do that. We get it wrong, take responsibility. But I've not been able to find one claim that, that is worthy of that kind of apology. Mm. And, and that's amazing considering how much this, the film was smeared that they've not been able to you know, validate one thing. The only thing Judy Mikovits went back on is uh, when I did her follow-up interview, for those who didn't see the follow-up interview, is she said, I said, nothing on the RNA schedule works, but 
um, uh, rabies, which I think was freshly introduced as an RNA scheduled vaccine. Um, she said, I would take a rabies shot. Um, I do think it's an after the event uh, treatment that, that, that its side effects um, don't outweigh the, the, the benefits. And, and that was it. You know, that's the only thing that she, she wanted to correct. Um, other than that, everything's been validated. And yet, the, you know, you would think the, the, the world would come back and say, thank you for getting this right and informing us way ahead of the curve. Because um, now much of what you said in that film has been validated and we should have listened to you. But no, instead, it's just, you know, forget about that, move away. Do you think that that will still happen? I'm not going to hold my breath for that. I think it's going to happen on an individual level. And I think that people are too prideful, quite honestly, um, in, in this age. Uh, being wrong is one of the worst things you can be on social media. And nobody wants to be wrong. And so I think it's going to happen privately. I think people will have their own awakenings and probably to themselves in their own quiet, private moment go, wow, I overreacted. I should have done more homework before I jumped on them and attacked those people. Um, and and I, I don't I'm not I don't need an apology I don't I don't need that in my life I just want people to be freed by the truth, and so if that happens in their own private space, awesome. That's the goal. Yeah, that's beautiful, and that's it's something that uh, sometimes we don't get the satisfaction of knowing, but there's a trust. Yeah. There's a trust in knowing that the truth prevails, and I know that I yeah. I lean into that, and that's part of the motivation for speaking truth and being willing to get into conversations where. I might get wrong, but you know what? I don't remember when it was not okay as a human being to be wrong sometimes. I think that's a really valuable, some of my greatest growth moments have come from that vulnerability of saying, oh yeah, shit, I, I am wrong about that. And then what comes from that is, is me actually getting to be more of who I am um, and who I'm here to be. Um, it's, really, it's really critical that, that we acknowledge when we're right and when we're wrong and when others are, are, are right and wrong. And right now we're really good at acknowledging when, when others are wrong online. Um, but we're not good at being humble enough to go, um, we, we brought up Trump and I, I stopped looking at Trump a long time ago. And I, so now when people say, who are you voting for? I said, I'll never vote for a who again. I'm, I'm voting for a what. I'm looking at the, the policies on paper because uh, I have, you know, like everyone else, I can get sucked into a very charismatic, Obama sucked me in. I cried when he was inaugurated, you know? And then four years later, I'm like, new wars and innocent people being droned and guns being given to the drug cartel. Like what, what, what Crying did I vote for? for? What reason. happened? Yeah. You know, exactly. And, 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 you know, but then every time he would speak, I would melt again. And I had the same reaction with, with Bill Gates, right? It's like, I know what the man's done. I've been researching him for 10 years. I'm crystal clear. I've talked with people who were directly affected by, by his clinical trials in, in third world countries. And yet, when he, sometimes when he speaks, especially when he's next to Melinda, I just get sucked in. I just go, oh, I just want to believe him. I just want to, like, I want this narrative to be true. It's such a sweet narrative. It's one of the richest men in the world is helping us. You know, I want to believe in that fairy tale, and but it's just not true. So it's so important that we, um, you know, I got clobbered on Facebook one time because when Trump signed the um, the um, prison reform, that that's a huge move that Obama promised he was going to do all eight years and never did it. But the, that's the most racist law that we've ever passed. You know, written by Joe Biden and and established by Bill Clinton, which disproportionately jailed 
mostly black, but some brown men, um, for nonviolent crimes. Thousands and thousands of, of men were, were put away for life, and some women. And, and the um, ripples horribly, of that. The ripples oh, of that in family. And it, exactly. Breaks up the families. Create, I mean, it just, it, it's, it's horrific what that policy did. And Obama promised on his campaign trail that he would end it. And in eight years later, he never did. And Trump did. So I put out a message of like, like, I don't care if you love him or hate him or whatever. I, I, that's, let's get beyond that. Can we celebrate this move? And people were just like, no, we can't. Because if we celebrate the move, we will be giving Trump a win. And there's something very dangerous in that because our own moral compass then gets skewed. And especially for the, young, the younger people that are watching that going, uh-oh, prison reform isn't worth celebrating. They don't understand why it's really celebrating. They don't know it's just because they don't want to give Trump a win. They're, they don't understand that, that, like, they don't know what to vote for because they don't, if that policy isn't something worth celebrating, I don't know what to vote what for. It does, a, it does a great deal, deal of damage and it lowers our standards. And so we have to just be honest. If Joe Biden does something great, you know, wonderful. Let's, let's celebrate it. You know, if these, if these politicians can keep competing, and I wish the Democratic Party would step up and instead of just making their entire platform about stopping Trump, I would love to see Trump, who is, you know, because of his egomania of wanting to win and be a winner, if they start competing on who could do the best for this planet, imagine the things that would get done. You know, he'd step up and let me do something better. And they step up, let me do something better. And we just did this and we just ended poverty. And we just like, like, let's make that the competition. Yes. And then we'll vote for whoever wins that show. You know, it's like a pure and, capitalism model. Yeah. You instead know. of just r running on, let's stop the evil, you know, which is not working. And which hey, only you. fuels the evil, because all we're talking about is the evil instead of talking That's all we about focus on. our solutions and how wonderful we can make it. Yeah, and if a fly landed on Pence's head, it's like, is we, are we that effing petty right now that that, that is what's going to dominate the news cycle, that a fly landed on someone's head? I mean, like, we, we have to stay out of the minutia of, of the lure of that, that, the, that, that low-level dialogue. We have to rise up as a people and take personal responsibility to say to everyone who posts that shit, like, stop. So what? What was said? What, what was real? Where were the lies? We need to dig into this and focus there. But just like mask and all this stuff, we just focus on these petty things that do add no value to our life and to the process of our evolution whatsoever. And that, that we, need to, we need to mature past that. You know, on, the, on what you're just speaking to, we're in the middle of a three-part podcast, our own series, the Conscious Awesome series. And um, the first one was freedom over security. The second topic is... Um, principle over party. Principle over party, which I think this covers nicely. And the third is uh, truth over personality. And those three tenets right. just are so so deep right now and if we could say just them get one more honest, time for me so one more time freedom over security okay right principle over party yep and truth over personality fantastic it just seems like the most yeah. honest way to go about at least through the lens of what of watching pol uh, politics and being able to discern politics and mm -hmm. as well just seeing the 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 nuances that the constitution gifted us to uh -huh. be able to actually see and utilize these tools. And if we're told constantly that our tools are crap, then we don't, why would we invest time and energy into learning to use those tools? 
Um, I think that there's something really valuable. And as we speak about uh, investing in children, um, and that's something I, I know that we're, we're getting down to the end of the hour here. Um, I want to ask I'm you. Sorry, a I wish more I had about, more time. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, on, have, a, on, a, on an airplane to the Red Pill event in Georgia. Which is exciting. Um, and yeah. you know, you, your message is, is with you everywhere that you're going. And I'm glad that we are, we're getting to share this with our audience. And we'd love to have you back you know, for extended conversations um, because these are the conversations that are, are needed. To, are needed. Um, and yeah. the, the reason why I do say we have time also is because it is about the children. It is about seven generations, the children's children yeah. in the world that we're creating. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted to, uh, to just ask you, as far as best case scenarios for where we are right now, we're winning. We're going to win. Obviously, truth is winning. What do you see and what do you hope for, for your children, for my children, for, for the next generations? What, what do you envision when you get really super crystal clear about where we're going? There, there are massive things happening right now. I, we're involved in several different initiatives. Uh, one is we're, we're looking uh, seriously at purchasing 500 to 1,000 acres of land. And uh, we just went on a safari looking at an incredible piece of property, two different uh, properties on Sunday. And a, and a, and a bunch of families, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, my, my phone just shut off for a moment. There we go. Um, a bunch of families are coming together to create the environment for their children. It's all families. And so it's, it's uh, I see a lot of that happening. I'm also in the, in the process right now of partnering with a, a, a very, very well-respected journalist um, who has, has been one of my heroes for a number of years. Uh, we just verbally uh, agreed to a partnership yesterday. And, um, and with my, um, my producing partners uh, and a, another great team of technology, geniuses um, we're going to build a new platform that's going to be a bulletproof portal that the world can go to for truth in 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 every um, fashion you can imagine so there'll be you know fact checking the fact checkers politics medicine uh, and and we'll we'll hand curate select and invite all the top uh, truth tellers of the world so they have a platform that can never be taken down um, and it's being done in a new energy that's uh, no, zero hoarding zero we want everyone to promote their own platforms, their own channels. So we want to help build their audiences. So it's completely um, in a non-competitive uh, energy. Um, so I see a lot of this happening. Um, my kids now go to a school that was started because of pandemic. A group of parents got together to say, we will not have our kids re-enter school wearing face masks, teachers and shields, in some cases, freaking dog collars, uh, plastic uh, you know, cones. Um, and being, you know, and, and having this idea that humans are dangerous and, and diseased and, and, and infected embedded into our, our children's minds at a young age and created a, a generation of hypochondriacs and, and human resistant, you know, um, people, we don't want to, we don't want to create that. Um, and so a bunch of families got together and we started our own school. And so I see that happening. I see the unintended consequence of this draconian uh, lockdown and this uh, incredible communist um, flavored uh, overreach of power forcing people to become sovereign, to understand that <clears throat> if the game is dependency, which it is, total dependency, um, then I'm going in the opposite direction. I'm going to depend on myself and my planet. 
and I'm going to take care of my family first. And, and I've, I'm seeing families get really serious. I mean, like people building, you know, compounds, healthy, beautiful, luxurious compounds, but every single parent is armed mm. and there's armed guards at the gate. Cause they're, they're they, you know, when you start to mess with the, you know, and threaten the idea that protective services can come into your home and take your child away because you were tracked through your cell phone standing too close to somebody who has COVID. When you start to propose those kind of ideas to the American public, um, you're, you're asking for a, a firefight and, and, and people aren't, they're not going to go quietly and they will lose. They will lose. Um, what we're willing to do for our children um, is unimaginable. And, and none of these parents that I'm dealing with, they're fierce and they won't be stopped and they won't be bullied and they'll, they'll comply to what makes logical sense. They're, they're not selfish. They, they will do what's safe for, for, you know, their neighbor and they will, they will adhere to um, measures to protect each other, but we're not any longer going to adhere to illogical um, um, politically driven ideologies and policies um, any longer that, that then strip us of our right to just be free, to just, you know, walk outside when we, when we choose to, you know, this is part of the thing that the story that the uh, conspiracy theorist told me, uh, you know, as long, far back as 12 years ago, that was coming uh, because they had read the manifest manifestos that I've only read within the last few years. They read them, you know, they, these things came out in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and they read them long before. And they said, this is, matter of fact, the person that's hosting um, the, this Red Pill Expo that I'm going to speak at, um, another very weaponized word, Red Pill, you know, he's been doing this for five years before the term Red Pill was suddenly conflated with QAnon, and, and now it's become like, a, a, like saying Nazi. Um, but, but, you know, uh, Red Pill simply meaning to wake up to reality. And and the man, G. Edward Griffin, um, has a, a video that's become viral again this year, a black and white video that he recorded, um, filmed, I should say, because it was 1968, um, an a hour-long talk or so, speaking to a group, and it looked like a library or something like that, where he was reading chapters from different communist manifestos. And when you see this video, look it up, people, if you haven't seen it yet, G. Edward Griffin, and watch his whole talk. It's not only beautifully eloquent, but it's, it's terrifying because he's literally saying what we plan to do, 1968, he's reading this, what we plan to do is to eventually use the power of race to have all the white people feeling so guilty that they think they're supporting the black people. And we're going to have these fictitious groups set up. And, and what we'll, we'll actually be using black people is what they call cannon fodder to create a, a race war. And we will burn down the cities and the forests. And this is how we're going, to make, we're going to gain total power and bring the U.S. to its knees in 90 days. And these are in the manifestos. So there were people that read them and were aware of them long before me and had the courage to speak out about them 10, 12 years ago. And they came to me to tell me, as a media maker and as somebody with integrity, we think you should know about this. And arrogantly um, and, and I would say fearfully, I shrugged them off or even laughed them off because I thought it sounded too bizarre and too crazy to even be possible. And now, um, you know, we're living in it. And so welcome to, <laughs> welcome to the middle of the manual. 
Yeah, that's right. Exactly. We're right in the middle of it right now. And, and please go watch that video because it'll blow your mind. Some of the some of the details of what they said they're going to do and now what's happening. And they do it all in the guise of morality. Right. Who doesn't want to support who doesn't want to, um, you know, decrease racism and sexism and all these things we all do. And, and there's no country that's done it more than the U.S. And, and this whole narrative that things are getting worse and getting bad, that's they are right now because of politics. But the truth of the matter is, when the politics gets out of it, things get better rapidly. And if you look at the actual analytics of violent crime, murder, rape, homicide, all of it, um, uh, even environmental uh, uh, numbers, uh, CO2, all of it, everything has plummeted for the better. It has all gotten better. We are in a, the safest time, maybe not right now because we're on the verge of civil war, but before all of this crap, we were, we were in the safest time that America has ever experienced. And, and, and while other nations still throw gay people off of buildings, you know, all that barbaric mentality has been uh, either totally or, or, or drastically minimized or, or, or eliminated. And we should celebrate the progress that we've made. We should celebrate the fact that we've evolved that we now see people of color as equals to us and not slaves um, and, and, and recognizing that at some point we were all victims of slavery. And, and now we're all victims of slavery again, equally together, right? Now we're all part of the system that is asking us to be participate, you know, um, as, as slaves basically. And, um, but we need to really get clear with, with the good things that have happened in this nation because in the same way, I, I've been in the world of, of, of transformation, of, of, of the, whatever, call it self-help or, 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 or the work that it takes to bring people back into balance and into health and to good relationship and love and all of that. And at the core of that work is, is helping people get past a story that they, they've adapted to. And it's usually something that happened that they were not properly parented or they were so bullied in school that they actually bought into the lie that they were stupid or ugly or whatever it might be. Almost everybody has at one point carried one of those self-judgment stories within themselves. And then they start to, they grow up and they, 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 they create their life through the filter of that story. And if you think that about yourself, you don't attract the greatest mates. You don't attract the greatest abundance. You don't attract the greatest of life. You don't shine because you think you're less. That same thing we need to understand happens on the collective level. If we think our nation is horrible and that still, you know, we still need to keep mentioning every single day that it's founded on rape and genocide. And if we keep telling us how horrible our nation is, it will never heal. We will we'll only create a future through the filter of the past and we will never move forward. And, and that is by design. Those people who know that that's how it works. So we need to overcome that as a people and start telling a new story, a story that moves us forward, a story that's closer to reality, which is humans are good. We're born good. Some go bad. We can help them not do that. If we're aware of why, what causes that greed and all of the other things that, that push us in bad directions, the abuse of our powers, the abuse of sex, the abuse of food, all, all of these things are not bad on their own. It's, it's our, our tendency to be abusive. And if when we could take personal responsibility and stop behaving that way, 
everything comes back into balance and then we can celebrate the progress that we've made and make greater progress moving forward. Yes, building that bridge. Amen. That's what we're doing. What a beautiful, that's a beautiful outro. Yeah, um, thank you so much, Mickey. Yes. Yeah, thank, thank you both. I, I really appreciate you and, and bo both of you. Thank you. I know it took so long to get this interview together and I really appreciate your grace through this. And, 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 if, and Danny, again, I just, I, I really couldn't have done what has happened with Plandemic if it weren't for your support. And you know how much I leaned on you and you were always there for me and it, it, you took it to the next level. I appreciate you. I appreciate the, the, um, who you both are together. I think you make an incredible team of, uh, of hosts here. So it's oh, an honor to be here. Thanks, Mickey. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining Thank us on this um, open-ended journey. I still feel like we're at the very beginning of something very beautiful um, and, and amazing. And I continue to vision and speak and share that and remind people that uh, there are really beautiful things and just coming back to gratitude. So I, I'm grateful for both of you. I'm grateful for the uh, Conscious Awesome Show completing its 28th episode. Um, you guys will be able to find this and all of our episodes at ConsciousAwesome.com. Uh, Mickey, do you have, um, I do, I, we'll put links in the show uh, for the, um, this, the talk you were just speaking of. You said uh, G. Edward, was it Griffin? It's the Red Pill Expo. It's happening uh, this, this, this weekend. Yeah. The Red Pill Expo, PlandemicSeries.com. And as well, what was the name of that, um, of the talk from the 60s that you were recommending? It's called um, Something Worse Than War. But just, look, just search for G. Edward Griffin communist talk um but it's 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 something greater than war i'll find uh, it threat, yeah. Yeah, like a threat greater than war or something like that i forget what it's called yeah, yeah. if, but, if, if but, it can be found danny will find it she'll oh she'll find it believe me um and 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 watch it it's gonna it'll blow your mind and all your listeners should, should check it out cool we'll awesome the link. thank you so much for all your great work mickey have fun in georgia kicking ass and expanding minds and hearts and give our love to nadia and the boys we will do. We'll do. Yeah. And, and love to you, you both. Soon. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe.